This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Huskers Radio Network Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Well, Sideline Slice is back, episode two. Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. Happy, happy birthday, Jeremiah Searles and our fearless leader, Trev Alberts, both born on August 8th. How about that? I mean, I'm just, I'm so fortunate that uh, Trev gets to share a birthday with me. So you know, <laughs> I'm really excited about that fact. Apparently Husker legends are born on this day. Hey, August 8th is a special day for Husker Nation. That is a fact. What'd your kids do for you? Did they do anything? Uh, they woke up super early, so that was really nice of them. Um, and then they proceeded to not take naps. So yeah, happy birthday to me for my, my wonderful gremlins. <laughs> hey, before we get too far into football talk, there has been some talk. We, for some reason, the um, Harlem Shake video resurfaced and people were talking about it. And the crew up here is convinced that you were the penguin at the front of the video. But you are saying that is definitely not you. No, that was not me. As much as I love to take credit, that was Broderick Nickens, who was in the <laughs> Penguin video. And I remember that because he used to wear it out to parties. So it was a very distinguished, like, you knew it was Nickens. When the Penguin shoot showed up, it was Nickens, so yeah, that was Nickens. Why did that resurface? That was I don't know de a decade ago now. It got brought up, and then we talked about it on Sports Nightly, and then the f people that were listening and watching on the YouTube stream wanted to find out, wanted us to find out for sure, and so I just had to bring it up before we got too much further. Yeah. But it, you nope. were definitely not the Penguin. And I was not the Penguin, unfortunately. Okay, well, you went out to the scrimmage on Saturday. It was kind of a neat deal. They had a bunch of former players come out mm -hmm. to the scrimmage on Saturday. How was that? It was cool. You know, it was really a good chance for me to kind of get first eye look at this team and kind of what they've been working on in the offseason, what they might look like heading into fall, you know. So it was really nice just to get an opportunity to go and see what we've been talking about. So it was really nice. Got to connect with some old players. Brandon Riley, Cole Pensick was there. Got to run in some of the even the older time. The the old players is funny. Coach Frost came up to us in the uh, the lunch afterwards and called us all the young bucks. And I was like, dude, I feel really old. But <laughs> you know, we were the really some of the younger players there. Sam Hahn was there. So it was fun just to reconnect with former players and get a chance to take a quick quick peek at what this offense and defense might look like uh, in Ireland in a few weeks. You know, how important is that to keep connecting all the generations of Huskers? And it was it was neat to see you interacting with former players, but then all the other guys that of different that didn't even play together, how they were interacting together on the sideline and they were watching, I know, up in the upper bird's nest type deal, but just it seemed like just a cool camaraderie just for you guys to get to reconnect in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we always talk about it. regimes will come and go from what Nebraska is, but you always play and you always played for the guys that wore the end before you. And, you know, you'll always represent the guys that wear the end after you. And so you it's kind of a really neat fraternity, you know, Husker faithful. Um, the nation is the best for the fans, but there's this really neat fraternity of former players where, you know, if you wore the end, there's an instant respect factor there for you because you grinded and you earned all of that, you know, so that's something that's really cool. It's a mutual respect thing that goes around from decade to decade, player to player. And it's just really fun to get around guys and you hear old war stories from when they played and you got to share a little bit of your war stories from when you played. And then you get to watch and talk about the young bucks and how it's not how it used to be and all the fun stuff that all us has been like to talk about. Well, what stood out to you then in the scrimmage for what yeah. you got to see? Yeah, you know, so the number one thing that stood out to me is uh, there's a couple things. You know, I think the first thing we'll touch on is the running back room. 
from a room last year that really we felt had hardly any depth and really without Ramir Johnson was pretty much incapable. We'll call a spade a spade there. You start looking at what they've done to this this room in the offseason. You have Ramir Johnson, you have Grant, you have um, you have uh, Johnson, you have Yant, and then my personal favorite, Young Buck, A.J. Allen. That guy oh, is going to be a special football player for this team. You know, the way that he moves, he's so natural in his ability, his vision for a young guy, and he's got a very quick burst through the hole. He showed a lot of promise. And, and you talk about guys popping off the tape. Well, he popped off the field. And so you could really see the way he went. And then the other great thing was getting to see getting to see our guy Irv back out there, Gabe mm-hmm. Irvin, right? I mean, seeing him back out there, he had a nice long touchdown run that he burst right up the middle, which was good to see some burst back out of him. And he looks back to 100% too, which is great because he had such a strong showcase there in the first few games. So that room looks like it's got its stable of horses that you need to make a run in the Big Ten. you got to have more than one guy. Heck, you got to have more than even two guys. So, you know, there's four guys in there that are going to be really fighting for a – a starting spot in my opinion but it'll be a little bit running back by committee they all bring a little bit different um flash in the pan so to speak but i do think that there'll probably be one or two guys here that start to separate themselves as camp pulls on here listen aj allen has been a guy that stood out to me too i've said that to greg and and brought it up on sports daily i thought he's looked really good but i think just the point that you brought up that there is some death but there's also you got different running backs in there if you need somebody that's hard to bring down at the goal line you, you go to yant you need somebody that can catch it and make some things happen. Maybe you throw it to Ramir. I mean, there's just some different options, too. And in addition to the depth, you have different kinds of running backs in that room, too. Yeah, and you know what's great is with the redshirt rule, you can play some of these guys in four games, these young guys in four games, and still keep their redshirt, right? I mean, you talk about uh, Johnson as a young guy. He is fast. He has a chance to go out there and do some really cool stuff, too. And then you talk about A.J. Allen, but also – you know, you want to make sure they get the exposure. That's the great thing about running back. Maybe they play one or two games in September, and they play a game in October, and then you play them a game in November, and then they still have the red shirt, but they got really meaningful reps. So you're exactly right. A lot of different running styles, a lot of different abilities, and really just a lot of gadgets and tools that you'll be able to use as you work through the season. Well, you and I stood over there on the sideline for a little bit of it, and not surprisingly to you either, but two of the guys that have really popped in fall camp that we've heard a lot about, Tommy Hill, Trey Palmer. I know those were two guys that stood out to you too, and that was fun watching those two guys battle it out in a scrimmage-like situation. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that you can just tell has that it factor at receiver is you talk about Trey Palmer. I mean, he is so smooth. He looks like Samori Ture running around, but he's a little bit bigger. You know, and he made a beautiful contested catch on Tommy Hill down in the corner of the end zone there for a touchdown. And you kind of got to see his his run after the catch ability, too, um, when he caught the ball over the middle. So he's going to be a guy that's going to be really special. And you have to have at least one of those guys, right? I mean, we saw last year how the big play threat of Samori Ture really opened up a lot of this offense. So having a guy that can stretch the field like that, make the contested catches, and go up and get it against a cornerback that's having a good as camp like Tommy Hill is, you know, I think that's really good. The old adage, iron sharpens iron, is a true thing. So those two guys going at it every single day is only making each one of them better, and it's making our offense better, and we're going to really need him as a weapon. All right, and you said even going into camp, one of the positions you were really looking forward to seeing and keeping your eye out on was the defensive line. What was your takeaway on that? And not even just the line, but even the guys on the edge, too. Yeah, you know, I think that there's my first chance to get a chance to look at uh, our boy from TCU and kind of see Mathis. what he was. Oshawn Mathis. Yeah, you know, get a chance to see him in action. And 
Um, to be honest, he's a little bit skinnier than I anticipated. You know, I think that he is going to have some transitioning coming from Big 12 to Big 10 play. You know, that, that's a very different physicality type that you're used to. And I can say that because I played in both. Um, and so I remember that transition. So that will be a little bit more of a transition for him. But he did look really athletic coming off the edge and coming off and getting after the passer. And then you had Garrett Nelson on the other side. He had a very good day. He had a couple TFLs, a couple sacks. And, you know, I think that you want him. He's your leader. He's going to go. And the defense will go as he goes, right? You kind of rally behind a guy like that. Um, Feast is another guy that I thought played really well. And then Ty Robinson, right? So you're starting to see some pull away there from who I would have called the starters on the defensive line front. But the depth of that thing is still getting growing too. You know, you have Nash in there who had a really nice big TFL. Weaver actually had a couple flash plays. He is a monster human, <laughs> by the way. He is so big. So, you know, he's a guy that's like, hey, it's third and one, throw his big butt in there. Make sure they can't move him. So, you know, some guys are starting to to flash there but you do need to keep developing that depth because you did see when the twos went in you know there's kind of a long sustained drive by the twos that when the threes had to rotate in a little bit there was a big drop off between twos and threes which is to be expected at the college level but you can't have it be that big of a drop off they need to narrow that gap between the twos and the threes and keep building that depth but i do think the starters have done a really nice job and uh, as hard as it was for those guys during spring ball where they had like 60 linemen were taking a million reps you're really starting to see the fruits of their labor come through where all that experience and all those reps are really starting to pay off here in fall camp. Family traditions mean great food. With treasured Italian family recipes passed down for generations, Valentino's has become Nebraska's classic Italian tradition for 65 years. Hey, I was going to ask you too about the schedule here during fall camp. They've gone three days, then off day, gone three days, off day. I don't remember covering a football team that had a schedule like that, but the guys seem to really like it. I talked to a couple of them today that really like it, and there are some nicks and bruises, a couple of guys a little banged up, but for the most part, being able to go pretty unscathed injury-wise throughout these first couple of weeks. What do you make of the, the schedule of the three on, day off? Did you ever go through anything like that? No. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, I think you would love that schedule as a player. <laughs> Anytime you can get three days on, one day off, that's a great thing. I think the NFL, you have to go four, six days before you get a day off or um, somewhere in there. But, you know, anytime the biggest thing about fall camp is, yes, you're getting yourself in football shape and, yes, you're getting ready, but it's really about keeping your team healthy. You want to make sure when you show up in week one in September that you have all your horses there. You're not missing key pieces, right, because of a muscle injury or a freak accident. I mean, knock on wood here, there's still quite a bit of camp left. But, you know, they have been able to stay pretty healthy throughout this fall camp here, which is a big thing. So, you know, I think it's a good schedule. I think Coach Frost and the trainers, Mark and Drew and um, Duvall and those guys have come together and put their minds together of how to maximize output and work, but also how to maximize recovery and rest to keep guys healthy. So, so far it's been working well. Um, I'm sure things will kind of transition here as you get one more week here of camp before you transition to school starting and then basically off to Ireland. So, you know, it's getting kind of close here. And so you'll start to see the schedule shift more here in the next 10 days or so. Yeah, two weeks from today, the team will be flying out on the 22nd to go to Ireland and also heard today guys talking about how it kind of transitions to from fall camp and going through all of that to really game prep and focusing on game planning. Take us through what that's like when that transitions, when you go from what fall camp is to when you're into that game mode and you start preparing for teams. 
Yeah, so during fall camp, you know, you're, you're in constant competition with the person either behind you on the depth chart, in front of you on the depth chart. It's offense versus defense, and you're fighting each other every day, right? After a few weeks, that A gets pretty old, but now it's time to transition. Now a lot of those battles that you were fighting for a roster spot, a starting spot, whatever, is starting to kind of fall in line of where you may be. There's still plenty of time to rise or fall on the depth chart, but the hay is in the barn for that part mostly. You're now looking at, okay, we now have to start working together and not competing against each other as much. Now, what that looks like is usually instead of an entire practice of going good on good, ones versus ones, twos versus twos, you'll start to sprinkle in some scout team periods. Now it's ones versus threes, and the threes are running cards. So the cards are Northwestern's defense or Northwestern's offense or special teams period are now us scheming up kickoff return, kickoff punt, punt return against Northwestern schemes of punt and all those uh, core four. You know, so you start to sprinkle those in a little bit now, and those just start to ramp up more and more so that by the time you get to game week, there's maybe only one period of good on good, which we used to do is always just kind of keep keep everything tight, was you'd always do like a nine on seven or a seven on seven or inside run or team pass. One of the team periods is always good on good so that you just kind of kept that game speed up. And then you transition more of the rest of practices, those cards, and going against the other team scheme and starting to scheme up your plays of what they look like versus this defense or that defense and what works, what doesn't work, throw this out, add this in, and uh, really just kind of starting to get ready for going to war in Ireland. All right, so one other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, before we get out of here, because the next time we will have our next podcast, we'll be diving into Northwestern and that game preview and that matchup. But released today, actually just this morning, the coaches top 25, the AP coaches top 25. And on that list, we've got two Ohio State, six Michigan. Michigan State is in at number 14, Wisconsin in at 20. And again, none of these preseason rankings really matter all that much right but it's fun for us to talk about any of those big 10 teams in the top 25 any of those surprise you at all no you know I think that's pretty fair based off of what they all did last year you know and you look at a lot of those teams and who they return you know Ohio State obviously they're like Alabama they don't rebuild they just kind of reload right the next five star up type of thing and Michigan State had such a good year last year they're going to build off a lot of momentum same with Michigan, you know, they talk about they won the Joe Moore Award, the best offensive line in the country last year, and they only lost one starter, you know, so that's a big thing for them coming back. Andrew Stuber left, and so they have a new left tackle. Other than that, all those guys are back. And so, you know, Corbin's back as well. And so you look at Michigan, I think Michigan's the team to beat um, right now. Michigan, Ohio State are looking at, but you've got Michigan State in there and you have uh, Wisconsin, then Iowa will somehow sneak its way back in. There is the most average eight and four team of all time and somehow they will go with 10 wins, but whatever, <laughs> you know, so they'll sneak their way back in there one way, shape or form. But I think that's pretty good. Um, good representation of the big 10 right now. There's the top teams and then there's a lot of those middle tier teams and there's those few of those low tier, low tier teams as well. And also since we talked the last time, they also had big 10 media days and all of the Big Ten projections came out. Ohio State projected to win the East. And then a lot of people had Wisconsin projected to win the West. But a lot of people have Purdue there as maybe a potential team that could make some noise. What do you think about – how do you make out, I guess, the West heading into the season? You know, I think I think it's kind of a dice roll. You know, I think there's a lot of teams in that middle tier of the West, like we talk about, that are – really uncertainty you know that's what I keep saying about Nebraska everyone always everyone keeps asking me hey how are we going to be this year what are we going to be this year and, you know I just keep saying I'm not sure I, I'm uncertain 
And they're like, what do you mean? And, you know, you kind of list out down the list of, you know, you have a bunch of new pieces that we've never laid eyes on before that have been transfers or um, guys that have come in from JUCO. And then you have an entire new offensive staff. And then you lost so much off the defensive side. And the same thing, you got young players back there that have maybe played a little bit, but not full starting season. And there's a ton of young talent and a ton of experience on some of these guys at different schools, but just not here in Nebraska. And so there's just un this uncertainty to this Nebraska football team. And you could throw them up there with all those teams you just mentioned as far as what could they be this year. I mean, I think the Vegas over-under has us at eight wins, you know, so that's Vegas sees it and we see it and you see the potential, but there's just uncertainty. And that's how I feel about the West too. You talk about teams like Purdue and you never know what you're gonna get out of Northwestern, right? I mean, they ride the roller coaster better than anyone. And then you start looking down the list of Iowa and Minnesota, and they lost so much, but who are they going to add there? You know, I, I don't know the clear winner. I, the safe choice is obviously to be like, yeah, yeah, Wisconsin, right? They got Braylon Allen. They got all those crazy guys on that offensive lineup there that they're going to put back together. So they're the safe choice, but I don't think that they're the clear choice in the West. I think it's going to be a really tight race, and I'm really excited to see how that out unfolds this year. All right. Any uh, birthday plans? Uh, you know, I think the wife and I are going to make some elk burgers and deer burgers. Um, well, I say I'm going to make them because it's my birthday and <laughs> she doesn't like to eat those, but I do. So I think that we're going to make some wild game burgers and some sweet potato fries tonight. And then we have our church group over here tonight as well. So just a nice, easy, nice, easy Monday here in the hood. Nice. And the kiddos like those burgers too, right? The kiddos do love those burgers. You got to raise them right. You got to put them on the wild game early. All right. Well, um, that will uh, wrap up this episode of the sideline slice happy birthday enjoy it and the next time we'll have you back we will be breaking down the matchup between northwestern and nebraska and ireland crazy it's a uh, two weeks out away that it's going to be game week so uh, we'll look forward to hearing you break all that down for us then sounds good appreciate you having me on and yeah super excited for game week to get here i can't wait for husker football to be back and our saturdays to be wearing red again so until next time, go Big Red. All right, again, this is a Sideline Slice presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you, talk to you, game week between Nebraska and Northwestern here on the Sideline Slice.